Welcome to our November 2023 Empower Women podcast episode, Gratitude, Wisdom, and Blessings, Writing an Ethical Will for Your Loved Ones. This month, we were joined by Susan Turnbull, founder and principal of Personal Legacy Advisors. In this episode, Susan explored the concept of ethical wills, shared inspiring examples that reveal different approaches for creating them, and provided templates and tips for writing a legacy letter that will be treasured forever by those you love. Enjoy. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining today's Lexington Wealth Management Empower Women series. Um, we're really excited to have Susan Turnbull here today. She's a friend of the firm, and she has spoken for us in the past, so maybe some of you have caught her. Um, but she's amazing, and her talk today will be about gratitude, wisdom, and blessings, and some tips around writing an ethical will for your loved ones. So we all think about when we write wills, it's that whole legal, you know, legal complicated piece, but this is just a really amazing, um, touching legacy piece that I think really is just wonderful for people to have and to be able to pass on to their family. Um, Susan is the founder uh, and principal of Personal Legacy Advisors, and she's a former journalist. Um, she has authored some books, The Wealth of Your Life, a step-by-step -step guide for creating your ethical will, and co-authored Across Generations, a five-step guide for creating an expression of donor intent, um, and the creator of Life Legacy Cards, which I'm not going to say what they are. I'm going to let her, but they're amazing. Um, and also a member of Boston Estate Planning Councils and the Purposeful Planning Institute and the Personal Historians Network Northeast. So she's local to us here, um, here in New England. So with that, I'm going to kick it off to you, Susan. You can tell us a little bit more about yourself and then talk to us about gratitude, wisdom, and blessings. Okay. Thank you, Christine. It's really, really nice to be back here um, in front of this audience. And um it's nice to see we have a man in the audience too, but I know that this is the Women's Empowerment Series, and so it's fun to welcome um, uh, moms and grandmoms and daughters and aunts and godmothers and sisters and daughters, and so welcome to all of you. Um, and um, you um, may, it's amazing anybody came today and hearing the word uh, ethical will. Let's face it, it's kind of a starchy term, a little bit stern. And um, as you will learn, it's anything but starchy and anything but stern. Um, and but I, and I'm going to give you sort of a thorough overview of what the those are um, today. But I'm going to do that in the context of something bigger, a bigger idea, and that is the idea of legacy. And we're going to jump into that in some depth in the beginning, and then we'll be talking in a lot more detail about what what an ethical will is. But let's look first at, let's get the definition down of what is this thing called an ethical will. Um, it is, as you can read here, it's a letter. It's normally, it's, it's customarily historically a letter, but it can also be a recording. And unlike legal wills, this one is a something very personal. It's, it's non-binding. And it's written for either family members uh, or trustees or successors in the case of someone setting up some kind of a philanthropic instrument that someone else is going to take over or for guardians. And essentially it is a repository for the kind of intangible wealth that you don't want to, that you want to make sure that you've documented in some way and you want to make sure it doesn't get lost over time. So 
I say intangible wealth as opposed to tangible wealth. And intangible wealth are values and intentions and blessings, any kind of information that you want to make sure that you've transmitted with intention uh, to your chosen audience. And um, these are can be shared during life. I think they're beautiful to share during life, but they're intended to also live beyond their authors. And that's what makes them different than um, other kinds of letters. And um, they're historically known as ethical wills. And I'm gonna give you a history lesson in them about them in a minute, but they're also called other things because other sometimes people don't like to use the word ethical will because as I said, it's a little bit starchy and stern. You put ethical and will in the same phrase and oof, it's a little bit intimidating. So you can always, you always can call them something else, a side letter, legacy letter, legacy will, letters of wishes, spiritual will, or maybe something very simply is just a letter to my family or a letter to my trees, to trustees, or, you know, a love letter, um, you know, a family love letter. But they are, um, because they're intended to live beyond you, um, they are instruments of legacy, ultimately, beautiful instruments of legacy. So let's just get into this idea of what legacy is. And here actually just popped up on the screen as a summary definition. It's a vehicle for intentional communication for either personal or practical reasons. But let's dive into this idea of legacy. I think that legacy can be kind of a hard word sometimes. Um, I find it this kind of a, a whiff of death about the idea of legacy, right? I mean, if you talk about someone who's left a legacy, you probably think first of all that they're dead. And second of all, that they probably there's probably money involved somehow. Um, and there's also like this idea of it, like it's the last and most important thing on your life's to-do list. You're supposed to leave a legacy, whatever that means. And I don't know about you, but I have a hard time even making it through my daily to-do list. And then you tell me that I need to leave a legacy on top of that. And so there's this like implication sometimes to the idea of the word that it is like a measurement and a judgment and it's easy to think, well, what does that mean for me? What am, what's mine going to be? And am I doing enough? Anyway, and so I don't like to think about it like that. I don't like to think about those associations. I don't want you to think about those associations today. I want you to think about your legacy as something not that you're leaving after you've died, um, that you've left behind when you're all done, but something that is... Um, you're living, you're not leaving it, you're actually living it. And instead it is something dynamic and it's, and it's constantly unfolding in the midst of your life. It's full of life, this idea of legacy. Yet at the same time, the word retains the wisdom around the fact that you're not gonna live forever. It, you know, it retains the wisdom about the inevitability uh, of the fact that none of us live forever, it retains the wisdom of the fact that that time is passing all the time. And I know that you would really like to be highly effective people. And do you remember what Stephen Covey's second habit of highly effective people is? It is to start with the end in mind. And when you can accept the inevitability of the end and merge it with the dynamism of the present, then legacy then becomes really a beautiful lens for thinking about the choices that you're making in your life, the choices that you're making that reflect your values, the choices that you make with your time and how you really do think about how you want to leave things and how you do think about what you wanna communicate with intention. 
So today, um, we're going to spend some time, a little bit more time, exploring this idea of legacy. This is somewhat interactive um, in that there's um, a couple of worksheets that I'm going to be introducing you to. That are, are There's a couple of very brief exercises that I'd like you to do during this. You also can just use a piece of blank piece of paper, a couple of pieces of blank piece of paper, but do have a pen with you to either work on your piece of paper or to work in the um, uh, in the handout itself. Um, so this is the way that I want us to think about legacy today. None of those kind of heavy death related kinds of uh, um, you know implications, but think about it like this: something super simple, um, and that is that your legacy is your influence. Very simply, it's the difference that you make in the lives of other people. Um, and so when you think about it like that, you realize that it's not about death because you're making a difference. You're having an influence on people all the time. And most of the time in ways you don't even realize. I mean, has anyone ever said to you, I never forgot the time you told me such and such. And you honestly can't remember what that was that you said. So it's a mystery. You really do not know the kind of difference that you're making. And you hope it's positive, um, but sometimes it's negative or it's some kind of a combination of both. I mean, you can do things, say things, you don't mean them to, to, to be hurtful, but sometimes they are. Um, and, 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 uh, and, and that can cast kind of a shadow in the lives of other people that can sometimes last for quite a while. It's also the idea of legacy is influence. It also means that it's changing all the time. And sometimes, um, it, you know, you're influencing different people in different ways and they think of your influence at different times of their lives in different ways. So it's very, very dynamic. Um, and it's also not something that you think about a lot, um, except there are times in your life when you really do, depending on your time and your circumstances, start thinking, well, what difference am I making? Is anyone going to remember me? And are they going to remember me the way I want them to remember me or not? So it becomes something, um, especially the older you, that you get, the more this becomes something that actually is very important and it's kind of top of mind. Um, another thing I like about this definition of legacy as influence is it takes away the kind of hierarchical idea of the word. So the word also can be oftentimes associated with with families, multi-generations, with people that have heirs. And for people that don't have children, the idea of legacy can sometimes be uh, either uncomfortable or even painful. People can think, well, I don't have any kids. I don't have any grandkids. Do I, do, am I going to have a legacy? And so, uh, of course, they have a legacy. And so this definition of, um, applies to everybody, regardless of their age, regardless of their um uh, uh, family or lack thereof, um, and regardless of their net worth, this is it. This is a universal definition of way to think about legacy. So I want to dive into this idea a little bit more and just think about one of the ways that I think it's easiest to kind of realize that you uh, are an agent of, of 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 influence is to realize that you're also a carrier of it, the carrier of the influence of other people. So if you can pull out the handout or pull out a blank piece of paper. What I want you to do is just think about people um, in your past and past meaning from the last moment up to the time before you were born. I, what I'd like you to do is just think about a few people, no more than three people, because I'm only going to give you about a minute here, who have made some kind of a difference in your life, whose legacy you feel like you're carrying in some way. 
um, small or large. So it could be someone who is has been a cheerleader for you, someone that just believed in you no matter what. Maybe a, a parent or a grandparent or a dear friend, maybe a mentor or someone you worked with, or maybe a, a, a friend you really admired, uh, someone who taught you something, or maybe a tormentor, um, someone who showed up in your life and maybe you said, I don't want to be like that person, or maybe that someone ended up changing your life, you know, that boyfriend that broke up with you and you thought the world was going to end and it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. So um, see if you can think about one, two or three people whose names you would put up there. You could put up a lot of names, but just come up with a few. And when you've got, after you've got the name, the names, can you come up with um, a single word, either a trait or an adjective, a value maybe that you associate with that person and write that a name next to, write that word next to their name. Don't overthink it. Okay. Um, the reason that I'd like to do that exercise is to just remind you that legacy is really personal. Is not something that's out there that belongs to somebody more dead or more wealthy than you. Um, this is really personal. It's tied in to the people and the experiences and the values that are most important to you. It's actually a core part of your identity when you think about yourself as a carrier of legacy. Um, and um, I want now to go to the bottom half of that. You might expect that we would be going to the bottom half next. Um, for you to think about, okay, I've, I've talked a little bit about, thought a little bit about who's been influential in my life. Whose names would you put on the bottom? In whose lives do you hope that you're making a difference? Would you like to make a difference? Are you hoping you'll be influential in a positive way? And this is from the present moment, uh, the next moment, all the way to when you're no longer here. There could be a lot of names you put down here. So put down either a group of names or individual names, even perhaps the beneficiaries of your philanthropy, if you are charitably, um, if that's something that you are doing, um, just in whose life generally and specifically would you be wanting to make a difference? And again, you can take this at, ho at home and you could populate both the top and the bottom, I know, with a lot of names. So um, you know how I had you write down um, the adjectives next to the people whose whose names you wrote down at the top of the of the chart? Okay, you to now, first of all, I want to put your name in the middle there, right over the word you. And then um, can you think of three adjectives you hope others would use when they thought of you? And again, this is aspirational, the way you would hope they would think of you. Um, so again, don't overthink it. Just put down some words you would hope people would use when they when they think of you now or, or, or think of you when you're no longer here. Um, so um, let's think about, well, how, how would you want to make a difference? These are the people that you would hope that you would be would be influenced. You could that you would be a positive influence in their lives. But how? In what ways specifically? And I want to take this then into just here's a, just another way of thinking about legacy. And that is this question. What do you have 
that you can give in, in the largest sense of the word. What do you have to give? And a corollary to that question is, what do you hope others would be receiving from you? Again, in the largest sense of the word. And in the context of talking about your financial plan or your estate plan um, or your philanthropy, you people often get stuck with just thinking about the fact that they have money to give. Um, to either spend during their lives on the things that they care about, the people that they care about, the causes that they care about, um, or to have whatever's left over to be able to pass on um, in, in an estate plan. But if you were to then say to people, but yeah, you have that to give, the money to give, but what do you really want other people to be receiving from you ultimately? Most people would say, actually, when I think about it, if prompted to be reminded of the other things they have to give, people would realize they have a tremendous amount of other things that they would hope other people would be receiving from them, both in their closest circles and, and beyond. So, and this, this is what's all populating the kind of intangible wealth that people possess and give during their lives. And in some way would hope that some of that would be retained in the, in the lives of other people in some way, love, and support and attachment, you know, to relationships, attachments to things that are bigger than they are, values and stories and heritage and history, information, wisdom and perspective. I mean, all these things people like to like to believe that other people are somehow that they've given in some form to other people in ways in their to be loving and helpful. Um, and some of the greatest gifts that people have to give are clarity, clarity of your intentions around your estate plan, clarity of intentions around your giving, clarity of intentions about the decisions that you've made, and clarity of feelings, so that when the time comes, this as few loose ends as possible, practical and emotional loose ends that you would be leaving behind you. Um, and clarity, obviously, also that would be enhancing your your life um, on this side of the of the ground. So all these things are are priceless gifts that people have to give and feel in some way that they would like to know that they had given. And of course, during your lifetime, the greatest gift that you have is your time, and to be able to just give your presence um, in the lives of the people that you care about. And then to share your ideas and your expertise and your energy to providing opportunities and experiences, all these things, I think is a great way to think about your legacy is the lasting influence of all this, all that you are and all that you possess that you can give. And this is where we pivot now to the idea of the ethical will. Um, as an instrument of intentional communication for either per practical or personal re uh, reasons. Um, because it is a mistake to assume that everything there that's on the right is going to be automatically picked up by other people. And um, I, I just ask, are there questions that you wish, wish that you could ask of someone who is no longer here? 
And so people make the assumption all the time that especially when it comes to their loved ones, that their loved ones know more about them than they actually do in terms of some of their experiences and their reflections, some of the things that they've learned. They make the mistake of assuming that people know more about them than they do. Um, and um, that's a lost opportunity to not really think about what you want to make sure that you have, that you've communicated. Um, and this, this also, this is a really interesting uh, model to use for how you think about spending your money because, um, and spending your time. Because if you were to take a look at just like, let's just pick up, uh, well, any family, any, any parent, um, uh, and you ask them, you know, what they have to give to their kids and what they would hope want that what they would hope that they would receive, they would of course say, well, I have money that I would like to be able to use to support them and use to, um, you know, have the kind of life that we want to have as a family. But there's all these other things. I know that any parent would also say that they'd want to make sure that they had given to their kids. And so the interesting question, how it ties in with money is to really think about, well, where does money fit in with the kind of intangibles that I want to give to them? If I want to create kind of a, a, a sense of family identity, family experiences, um, um, you know, what does that mean? Actually, how can I spend my, is there ways that I can spend my money to make sure that that happens, whether that's a trip or, you know, buying a second home or uh, taking a grandchild on an adventure or whatever, it, you know, in which case, in, in what cases would money really be able to allow you to support the kind of intangibles that you want to give? So it's a rich conversation to really think about the choices that you're spending with your money. And that is also true for no matter what stage of life you're in. Imagine the kind of question that, that, that might come up, this kind of conversation with someone who's recently widowed or someone who is uh, gone through a, um, uh, is, has recently retired. You know, what else do they want to do with their lives? What else do they have to give? So it's a it's a very simple but profound question to think about the all the kinds of choices that you make. So um, I want to just um, do a little bit of an exercise now around this idea, um, and um, to have you pull out the second handout that you got, which is what looks like it's on the right hand side. Um, and I want you to just take. Take that handout, and if you don't have have the handout, just a piece of paper. What do you have to give? What do you want others to receive from you? Can you just think about one person whose name you put down in the, on the lower part of that earlier handout, and write down just one intangible gift that you would like to feel that you had given that person. But just put down the put actually at the top of that chart there, right next to the heart. Write that person's name, and then underneath the heart, write an intangible gift you'd like to feel as though you were giving them. Okay, and this is now where we actually do take the pivot to ethical wills. As I said earlier, people make the mistake in assuming that um, people know more about their thoughts and their feelings and their experiences and their wisdom than they actually do. And about 20 years ago, I was working as a freelance journalist and people were telling me all kinds of amazing things. And I oftentimes wondered whether those things were, had been actually, you know, who else knew those things and whether they were documented anywhere. And, um, and I always thought you had to write an autobiography to create some kind of a record of, of your feelings, of your, you know, your reflections, some of your experiences. 
but I know most people don't, we're not going to write an autobiography. And when I read about the the idea of an ethical will, which comes out of the Jewish tradition, about a thousand years ago, you first see the expectation that fathers were to write to their sons a letter of instruction, basically, what it would mean to live a worthy or ethical life. And when I learned about this as an instrument, I thought, this is a really beautiful idea. It is so simple and anyone can do this. And so here's one from um, a thousand years ago, an excerpt. This man writes to his son, there's an olden proverb, go to bed without supper and rise without debt. Defile not the honor of thy countenance by borrowing. May thy creator save thee from that habit. So a thousand years ago, this man is saying, don't go out to dinner so often and don't max out your credit cards. <laughs> but he is saying to us um, now, a thousand years later, you know, I was here too, and I'm not that different than you. And I might have something to teach you. Um, and I just thought that this was this idea of intentional communication, that you have more to give to your loved ones than money was so obvious to me. It's obvious to all of us um and i just thought here's a sanctioned instrument and here is a way to plug the hole in contemporary estate planning where people write go to a tremendous amount of effort to draw up documents that you need a lawyer to translate that don't have any of the sound of your own voice in them so the idea that you could create something that had your voice in it i thought was a beautiful idea that everyone ought to know about so the best way to give you kind of a flavor for what a contemporary ethical will sounds like is to just read you some excerpts of contemporary documents. And these are all ones that I've had the opportunity to work with, um, work with people on in some fashion or another, and they've given me permission to share these. Um, and as you will see, contemporary ethical wills um, are not a lecture the way that the old ones were. They are gifts of love and gifts of um personality so and information so this first one um is uh was written by a man who um had uh, made a whole lot of money at a pretty young age he created a dynasty trust which was mean that money was going to get passed down to people that would probably never know him way down the line and he didn't want them just to get money he wanted them to get something else he wanted to get, and he, this is what he said, what I ultimately want to pass on to you is far greater than financial advantage, but a deep appreciation of the collective history and values that you carry in your bones. This is your true wealth. And so he wanted to give context to the money that they were going to get. He wanted to tell them the stories of their joint ancestors, uh, uh, mainly his parents and his grandparents, who, and they're coming to America stories. And it was their values that credited he credited for him building this business. He wanted them to know about his life. He wanted them to know about what he, where the money came from, about his business and what he thought money could and couldn't buy. And to bless them and say, you know, this is what I hope the money will enable in your life. So this is one of the most common um, motivations for people to create a side document is to give some context to that money that's being passed on. Another um, uh, uh, common reason is that people like to share a little bit of wisdom. Um, and this, uh, you know, for the benefit, the hope for benefit, that it might make a difference in the lives of the people that are going to follow them. And um, so this is one that's not in a narrative format. This man writes, my ninth grade science teacher first introduced me to the concept of ebbs and flows. 
He drew diagrams of cycles on the board, showing naturally occurring ups and downs. I see this in all areas of life, in biology, in business, in friendships, in marriages, and in society. Everything has its ebbs and flows. And sometimes when things are not quite how I'd like them to be, it's reassuring to remember this idea and not to jump in and force things to change. And this is a really interesting story. This guy wrote this in 2008. And, and at the time, life was total flow. And he traveled, his business was just on fire and his family was well. And um, he traveled a lot. He was always afraid the plane might not make it home. And he wanted to leave some sort of words of wisdom for his kids in, that, in, the, in the event that the plane did go down. I'm happy to say that the plane didn't go down, but in the intervening years, he went through a real ebb and he um, contacted me about six months ago and said, I really want to update this letter. And then he told me what had happened. He had lost his business and he, and he had, and one of his children had died. And so he went through a terrible ebb and he said, I'm really motivated to rewrite this because I went back in the midst of my ebb, I went back. And I read this original letter and I realized that I might've written this for my kids, but in fact, this is an insurance policy for me to remind myself of the truth of ebbs and flows and the truth of who I am and who I will get back to. And so um, he uh, now, the ebb was about 2012 and he now has says, you know, I perspective on this now and life is, if anything, better than any than it's ever been. And I want to trace, give a little bit of my journey and what I've learned from that ebb. So very beautiful story. And it is proof to me, and I always see this all the time, that you do this because you hope it's going to be helpful to somebody else. But you don't really know. You're not really in control of how they're going to take this in. But it is a beautiful thing to do for yourself because it's very, very affirming. Um, for, you know, what have I learned? Who am I? What is important to me? Um, and, um, but this is a really good place to say also that you can imagine what an unethical, ethical will would look like. It would be controlling. It would be negative. It would bring up questions that nobody could answer if you were no longer here. So remember that the idea is to be positive. The idea is to be helpful. Um, so, um, when people are thinking about um, putting down some of the lessons that they've learned, some people can write a beautiful narrative like that guy you just heard. A lot of people feel as though that it would have to be too profound and I don't really know if I'm profound and I'm, I'm not really sure what I would say. And I think one of the most accessible ways to write down a bits of wisdom is to write a bullet list. And I do this in workshops all the time. And it's amazing what people will say in a pretty quick amount of time, what they can get down um, and how, how much people actually have to say. And it's really easy for people to say, I don't know if I have anything to say, if I've learned anything, if I have anything really that would be valuable for anybody else. But if you make a list of things you know to be true, you will see that actually you have learned a lot of things and you have things that you can say. Um, if you want to leave it in a bullet list, great, just like this, or you could add a little bit of a narrative 
you know, underneath a certain number of them, if you want to tell a story about them or give a little bit of color to them. But I promise you, if you sit down and with a list headed things I know to be true, you would come up with quite a few things. Um, and this is just, this is just an example. And some of these maybe would be ones that you could also relate to. Things I know to be true. Life is short. People get old or sick and they die. Time is the most precious thing we have. Kids are distinctive from the start. Confidence goes a long way. Fake it till you make it. Habits make a person and bad ones are hard to break. Education is so much more than schooling. A life with no commitments isn't much of a life. Money isn't everything, but it sure helps. It usually never pays to, to never pays to scrimp on shoes. So light, heavy, silly. Otherwise, you know, this is a fun exercise to do that I would encourage you to do if you think I don't have anything to say because you have a lot to say, potentially. Um, anyone that's set up trusts, a trust, um, your trustees would really appreciate knowing from you what you sort of had in mind for the trust, why you established it, what you feel as though would be inappropriate or appropriate uh, choices for distributions. Um, trust documents, as you know, are very bare bones. They don't give the trustee much to go on. And any trustee you talk to begs for more information. So this was written by a couple. With our experience as entrepreneurs, we're in full support of using the capital to start a business. Provided there's a well-vetted business plan, we feel the decision to start a business should rest with the child and should be encouraged, even if you're not wholly in support of it. So no attorney is going to say that's okay to put in the in, in the legal document. But this was really important to the client to say, well, under certain circumstances, it's okay for the trust to lose money. So a side letter to trustees is a kind of an ethical will, which is incredibly valuable to, to uh, write up and to give to your trustees. Um, this last example is what I think is kind of the heart of a of, of, of an ethical will, especially one that's written to your, to your loved ones, to those in your closest circle. And that is the opportunity to say thank you and to leave them a lasting message of love. And this comes from a, ha a half paragraph, a half page ethical will. This woman writes to her children, when the time comes, the most important thing you need to know is how much my love for you created the person that you will remember as me, I made you quite literally in my womb, but you made me too. And this is an example of what, um, it doesn't take many words, it doesn't take much space to write something that feels as though it is timeless. Um, and um, that this um, would be valuable whether you shared it uh, right away or whether you waited until after you were gone and this was the message that they read from you <laughs> uh, when you were no longer here. Either one, it is potent. Um, and it doesn't take it doesn't take a lot of space. Um, there's a beautiful book called The Four Most Important Things um, that's written by Dr. Ira Bayok. Um, at, at, and he, he works with people at the end of his life, li the end of their lives. And he says that there's four things that people either need to say before they go or that their loved ones need to hear. Some combination of the four things. They are, thank you, I love you. Please forgive me, I forgive you. 
And usually people, if they want to write something that is directed to their loved ones and is intended to be an intimate document, usually people can uh, hang on to one or more of those four things and know that that is one of the most essential things that they want to make sure that they their loved ones hear from them and that they say without question. Um, uh, in case that plane goes down or that proverbial bus comes down the road and gets you. So I think that's also a beautiful frame to think about. Thank you. I love you. Forgive me. I forgive you. Um, this is an excerpt um, from um, an ethical will where a woman is writing to her 30-year-old son. And um, she had written to him when he was three. And now he's 30. He'd gotten married. And she pulled out the the old letter and she said, I really need to update this. And so um, she created kind of a combination letter where she had the old letter and then the new letter on top of that. And she talked a lot about how she proud as she was of his and him and some of the things that she feel, felt as though um, she'd learned since the time he was three. And she says to him toward the end of the letter, I say these things not because you have to follow them, because I want you to know how I feel and how I see the world. And this to me is like the most succinct uh, definition of a contemporary ethical will. They are not le they're not lectures the way the old ones were. They are gifts of yourself um, that you give with love. Um, and not because you're trying to control them because, but you want to give a gift of yourself. Um, and um, as I've said before, you don't really know how people are going to take these in, but you're giving a gift of yourself um, in ways you hope are going to be positive. Um, one thing that was really interesting about this particular story, and I think I might be wobbly again, um, this particular woman is that um, she shared this with her son and um, he didn't say much. So she's thinking, you know, gee, does, what did he think? Is he taking this in at all? Um and I had to laugh because, you know, that's not all that common. Um, and then, her, but her new daughter-in-law came up to her a couple of days later and said, you have no idea what this meant to your son. And you have no idea what this meant to me because when I read it, I realized that my mother could have said these things. And I now know for sure that I married into the right family. So I thought that was really a very beautiful um, story. So um, we're kind of wrapping up here toward the end. And I wanted you to just, um, you know, you may be thinking this is really, this is a beautiful idea, um, but there could be so many things that I could say. And, you know, do I really feel like I'm ready to do this? You know, maybe I'm too young to do this. Maybe I should wait to do this later when I have kind of a more of a sense about what I would want to say. Um, or you may feel as though maybe you're not that great a writer. I mean, there might be all sorts of voices that are kind of coming up in your head with why this would be maybe something you would just put off. <laughs> and I don't want you to put it off. Um, and I want you to really put something down to think of it as like something that is short and something that you um can add to later or change. And these documents are, first of all, they're works in progress because you are a work in progress and your audience is a work in progress. And you have to think about this as something that you don't just sit down and do once, you would put, put down something and then always feel free to come back. And I said, add to it or change it. 
It may be something that is um, more than one letter. You might be writing different things to different people or kind of a, something that's joint, that's a common core and then individual messages to different people, whether it's to your kids or your grandkids or your nieces uh, or your nephews or your siblings or your parents um, or close friends. There's a, or the audience is whoever you would want it to be. Um, and um, I, I just want, I want you to take the weight off of this. And I've given you this really simple template um, for, um, for one that you do write to people in your closest circle. And if all you did was to say, thank you, express your gratitude, to share a bit of wisdom and take it from the bullet list, just write down like three things in a bullet list. You don't have to write a long narrative and then to bless them. What are your hopes for them? What's the one most important thing you want to say to them? Is it, I love you? Is it, I forgive you? Is it, will you forgive me? What is the most one important thing you would want to say to them? Is it, I love you? Um, and this would be a just a, you know, a good place to either create something that stands on its own um, or that you added to later on when you had, um, you know, time and inspiration. And there's another simple document, simple template here too. If you're, ideas to give context to the money that you're passing on. Again, this is sort of three steps. What's the, share the story. What's the story behind the assets? There's always a story, even if there's not a lot of assets. Um, uh, and then what are your values? What have you learned about money? What's your definition of success? And then bless them again. What are your hopes for them? What's the one most important thing you want to say to them? And maybe what do you want the money? Do you hope the money is going to enable in your life? Um, so um, this is just, uh, I'm just just want you to return to this chart that you did before. Um, and can you just um if if there's a name below the line there that you think you'd like to write an ethical will to, can you put a circle around it? And um then just in closing here, um, um some people think thinking about their legacy is maybe egotistical or um, vain or something. And I don't think of it that way at all um, because I actually think that it is our job as grownups to pass on and keep alive the things that we know are important. Um, and it's, it's really guarantees the continuation of the species, right? Ultimately. Um, from the time that the cavemen shared where the best hunting grounds were. Um, and it's our job to be able to think about what we can do to support the healthiest future, not only for the people that we care the most about in our closest circles, but really for the whole human species. And um, and that that's just something that is our their obligation and our job to do, to think about this idea of what is it that we want to make sure that we have passed on, you know, in the largest sense of the term of the term. Also, in contemplating this for yourself, it also is just part of your psych, your journey, your own personal journey toward fulfillment and facing death with the least possible regrets, the greatest peace of mind that you have said what you mo what most needs to be said. You shared yourself as deeply. Um, as you can, as you want to. And yes, the idea provides comfort. It's nice to think that we're not going to just disappear without a trace and the great tide of time isn't going to just wash us away. It is comforting, but that's not the same as being egotistical or vain in my mind.
And I hope what I've done today, though, is make you realize that legacy is not something that is out there in the future some way that belongs to somebody else, um, but that it is something that's actually intensely personal and that at every, any given time, you are both a creator of legacy, but also a carrier of it. And that it's important to think about. It's important to be intentional about. Um, not in a controlling way, but in a wise way. Um, and to think about it as a, a really profound point of view for really thinking about the choices that you are making with your money and your time and in your relationships. Um, so I hope I've made all those points come home and that it is something to think about. It is something to be very intentional about thinking about. But at the same time, there is a paradox at the heart of legacy. It's important to think about. It's important to be intentional about. But you're not ultimately in control of it. And the people whose names you wrote under the line on that handout are the ones who are ultimately going to be in control of it. The people who consciously or unconsciously have picked up pieces from you and are going to carry them forward in some mysterious way. And I think that's really humbling. But in a way, it kind of takes the pressure off. Um, that feeling of like, have I, am I doing enough? Um, because what it means is that you need to live in awareness of the potency of all that you do and all that you say. The potency of your example and your values and your time and your relationships. The potency of your money. Um, and your generosity, um, and ultimately the potency of what you communicate in all the different ways that you communicate it um, with who you are and, and what you say and ultimately what you might write. And in awareness of all that potency to go forward on faith and let go of the need to worry about it or control it or obsess about it, to embrace the mystery of it, and then just live your life in the very best and generous and wise way that you know how. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To listen to past podcast episodes and to see our calendar of upcoming events, visit our website, empower-women.com. We also invite you to join us on December 12th for our next Empower Women event, Nine Things You Can Do Now to Make Life Easier for Your Loved Ones After You're Gone, a probate attorney's perspective on how to simplify your life. Hightower Advisors LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC. Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. This material is not intended or written to provide and should not be relied upon or used as a substitute for tax or legal advice. Information contained herein does not consider an individual's or entity-specific circumstances or applicable governing law, which may vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction and be subject to change. Clients are urged to consult with their tax or legal advisor for related questions.